Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. For more information about us, visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. There's, there's, there's something in us that, that we just have this fear, and, and that part of the unknown is, is a fear thing, and that whole religion, that whole thing is, is such a fear-controlling thing. But once you, once you step in, and like she said, you, know, you, you see them sometimes in physical, and you know, that might have scared you know, the pants off, off for some of you, and some of you might kind of be trembling in your seats right now going like, I don't want to... Have, I don't want to see any of that stuff in my house and I don't want to deal with that and I don't want to fight demons and I don't want to fight spirits and I don't want to... But what we don't realize is that every day we're dealing with that. Every day. Every decision that we make, you're giving in or, 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 or taken away from. Amen? And so the, the, whole, the whole message last week, redirect your worship, is, is, is to me the most powerful thing I've ever preached. And I'm not like popping my collar or nothing like that. It's not me. I'm saying that's the best word that God has ever given me. Redirect your worship. And it's, if, if, if you just focus on the thing that scares you, and if you just focus on the evils of this world and on the wickedness of this world, then, then, then they get big. But when you redirect your worship and you just focus on the, keep your eyes on Jesus and keep your eyes on the creator of everything, then, then this is insignificant. It's like a flea. That's biting at your ankle. That you just go and, and squash it. Amen? So man, that's, that's amen. Thank you, Brenda, for sharing that. I, I too dealt with that for over a year where, where I couldn't sleep the entire year. Just tormented every night. Tormented every night. While I thought I was doing the right thing. But then once I gave my heart to God, that was the first, the first night that I slept like a baby. After a full year, once God spoke to me and took me out of all that, that was the first night that I slept like a baby. And that was the, the time where my family and everybody was saying, if you, if you, you can't leave that stuff. If you throw those beads away, if you throw the koyalas away, and if you, if, you burn the, if you get rid of the candles, and if you smash the saints in your house, it's going to get ugly because they get mad. And I said, but I'm God's kid now. Who cares? Who cares who gets mad at me? I'm God's kid. If he's for me, who can be against me? Amen? And so, so I, I, I'm praying that, and, and I wanted to take a risk today even further than allowing somebody to speak. I wanted to, to ask you, those of you that were here last week and, and, and heard the message re, about redirecting your worship, about every time you come across a situation and the situation is getting bigger than you and the situation, and, and then kind of realizing it and say, wait, 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 and redirecting your worship. Did anybody experience that this week? And would you tell us about it? I wanted to risk church today and really say, did anybody apply that? Did anybody, did anybody have an instant last week where you had to physically and think and, and say, I need to redirect my worship and turn my back on this thing and, and give it to God? Anybody? God bless everybody. Everybody knows of my two shadows. Their mother came and got them after he made seven yesterday. 
I had her since she was 45 days old. And the little girl I had since she was three, two, she's five. So I went to see them on the first day of school. I met them on Third Avenue. And I wanted to beat her down, but I thought a pastor saying, redirect, redirect. So I help her shop for them and everything. Anna, the little one. She, I said, I'm leaving. So she thought you were going with me. I had to physically grab her off of me and give her to my other granddaughter, who she ran while I was going to the bus, almost got hit. And again, I wanted to beat my daughter down. For the hell, excuse the word, that she's putting those two kids in that they have never been in her house, even on the weekend. But every time I thought of you, I wanted to beat her down. Then Anna cut her hair. They put her on punishment. And I wanted to beat her down again. So I'm redirecting. And <laughs> that's the time I feel. Amen. So grandma says, when you want to beat somebody down, redirect your worship. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Grandma want to beat people down. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Amen. Then? Stay right there. It's funny because this happened the week before. And then when you spoke about redirecting your worship, like, it was a confirmation from God that, you know, that, that what I did, he was pleased with. But um, I have a coworker who was really being nasty. <laughs> um, Brenda knows about it. And she would, whatever she had to say to, to me, negative, she would say it to her because Brenda works with me. And Brenda would come and she would tell me. And I was almost, almost stricken to, you know, be vengeful and go to her and start, you know, and this is, I'm new on the job too, so I was going to be quick to go to her and argue with her over those things and, you know, be very, not in a nasty way because I'm above that, but still like confront her about it. And like, as soon as I thought that in my heart and, and I even spoke, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to go talk to her and I'm going to tell her how dare she, you know, whatever. And as soon as I spoke that, like, God told me, yo, it's not, it's not about her. It's not about her. It's not about you. It's like, redirect. he basically told me, redirect your worship. Pray for her. Pray for her. Every time I would see her, I would get, like, this heaviness on me, like, offense, like an offense-type heaviness. And he was like, pray for her. I was like, you know what, Lord? I am going to pray for her because your word says pray for your enemies. I'm like, you know what, Lord? And I prayed for her that, that morning, the next day in the morning, I prayed for her out loud and I was speaking against the devil. And when I was praying for her, like a joy came within me. And I'm like, you know what, devil? Yeah. And keep bringing people to me because I'm going to keep praying for them and I'm going to pray for their salvation. And that day at work and ever since then, Every time I see her, I don't feel that heaviness, that offense. I feel so much lightness, and I don't have anything towards her. She's probably still talking to us, but I don't care. And, it's, and she's actually spoken to me nicer after that and everything. I'm like, wow. I'm like, I almost ruined my life over that little offense. So I redirect her. Amen. That's the, that's the first indication you're in the flesh when your next thought's going, oh, no, I'm going to tell her 
you know you're in there. That's when you need to stop and say, hey, hold up. Before I go ahead, I need to redirect my worship. Amen? Listen, I'm not, we got one more? Um, yeah, it was this morning. Um, I was getting a Metro card to come over here. <laughs> I was getting a Metro card to come over here, and there was this lady. Like, she just came out of nowhere and, like, totally cut me in the machine. So, like, I felt like cursing, like, I felt like getting really angry at her, like, excuse me, what are you doing? But I just calmed down, I breathed, and I walked away. <laughs> so, like, that really saved a whole bunch of trouble. <laughs> amen, amen. Redirect. I'm not trying to, I want you to understand, I'm not trying to preach the same message again. I'm not trying to, you know, um, um, but I, I just really want you to get it. I really want you to, to get it inside you. I want you to kind of understand and have it as a tool. Understand that coming to church will not change your life. Just coming to church. Just coming to church is not going to make things better. It's not going to, you, you won't have anything unless you apply it directly to your life. Unless you take it and apply it. Understand, use this illustration. You can go to the best restaurants, the finest restaurants. You can do all your shopping at organic supermarkets. You can buy everything organic, nothing that has a pesticide, nothing that, you know, buy all the best stuff. But unless you eat it, Unless it gets inside you, unless it becomes part of you, unless it gets into the rest of you, you, you you'll die. Amen? Unless you, 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 unless you eat all that food, unless you get it inside you, you will die. And then the thing is, you'll die, you'll dehydrate, you'll starve, you'll look sick. And then people will say... Man, but that person always ate good food. They always bought the good stuff. That person always avoided the bad stuff. That person doesn't eat sugar. That person, they'll say, but, but the problem is, see, they never got it inside. Amen? They never got it in, inside. It's not enough to just get it. You gotta, you, just to have it. You gotta, not enough to just visit it. It's gotta be inside you. And for me personally, last week's message that the Lord gave me was just like a, oh, snap. It, it, really, it was a giant, oh, dip. I know, I'm dating myself to the 80s, right? But it was a big old snap. It was, man, the revelation that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And, that, and the revelation that, that the enemy's first act of destruction was to redirect the angel's worship off of God. I said, oh, snap. That's what he's trying to do now. It's just get our attention off of God, redirect it off of God onto our issues, onto our problems, onto every other thing that could possibly come. It, all he wants to do is, 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 is redirect my worship because you and I were created to worship. It, the, the moment you stop fighting that, you'd be happier people. Some of us are miserable because we fight our worship. We were created to worship. So whether you believe in God, whether you accept God or not, you will worship. You were made to worship. You're going to worship something. You could be sitting there nodding your head. I don't worship nothing. That's not me. I'm not. You lie. Check yourself. You worship something. And whether it's a drug or whether it's a relationship or whether it's sex and pleasure or whether it's money and things, you worship in something. So once you understand that I was created to worship and all I do is worship, 
That's exactly where my enemy in the flesh and even some of my friends are trying to redirect. Amen? All day long, everything around me is trying to redirect my worship. My desire for money. My desire for things. How many of you want more money and more things? Come on, don't lie. Right? I, I, I started, we, in our planning meeting, we're thinking, oh God, bathrooms, 5,000, this 7,000, this 10,000. I said, God, just have somebody give me a lotto ticket and let me just win it. And I'll pay for this whole thing. Amen? And, and I wish, I, I, I honest, I'm serious, I prayed that. I said, God, just give me a winning lottery ticket so I can pay for this whole thing. We could just have crews in there and fix it in three weeks and we walk into this, wow, place. But, but, but I feel, you know what, if you did that, then they wouldn't own it. You understand? And, and if we did that, if, if one person just came and blew it up and did it all, then none of you would say, man, I, I, you know, I'm a part of this thing. This, no, that's just some place you go to. And some place you won't respect. And some place you didn't earn. Some place you didn't sweat at. You know? And so that's why God does it this way. Because God has to teach not only me, but all of us that we need to support this thing that we need to build this thing amen not to say if any of you hit the lotto you can give it and we'll buy it i'm not you know don't get me all, all twisted there but our desire for more money our desire for more things our desire for more pleasure come on the pleasure thing gets us all in trouble amen young people please hear me your desire for pleasure will, will, will get you in trouble. All it's trying to do is redirect your worship. When a little, little young man who can't even clean himself yet is, is telling you, Oh, baby, baby, but I love you, you know, but I never felt like this before. But you, you special, baby, because, you know, you make me feel things I never felt before. Oh, 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 you got my head spinning. It, your desire for pleasure, he's just redirecting your worship to pleasure. Say, ah, that feels good. 15 minutes, it's finished. Now I feel empty and used and abandoned. Now what? Now I got to redirect my worship. But now I got to bring my broken sorriness to the cross and say, God, and I got to come back when I should have just been here from the beginning. Amen? When I just should have redirected it right from the beginning. If I just redirect your worship. Oh, I wish you got this stuff. My desire for more attention. My desire for more affluence and influence and significance and relevance. All of that will just redirect my worship. All I have to do is turn around and give it back to God. And the awesome thing is that God created it. He deserves it. He enjoys it. He inhabits it. And he even rewards it. Anybody want rewards? Right? Anybody use your, like you use your credit cards on purpose just to rack up the rewards? Or at least that's what you try to tell yourself? Right? Because rewards, all, all credit cards got to tell you is there's rewards. And you're like, yeah! But you're paying 29% interest. But so what? I could get a free toaster or a free uh, a $25 gift card to a thing. But you spent like $2,500 to get the 25 But so what? This is free. It's a bonus. It's a reward. Right? Come on. Come on. We can sum it up in one verse, Hebrews 12, 2. The King James says it this way. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. The, king, the uh, message puts it this way. 
Keep your eyes. This is the whole message right here. The message puts it this way. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished the race that we're in. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, the cross, shame, whatever, and now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. Our reward, amen? Keep your eyes on Jesus and when things go off, when things go wrong, when things go hard in the good times, in the bad times, just redirect your worship. Praise God. All right, as I moved on, in uh, this word study on worship that we're doing through the entire word of God, the next time worship appears, it, it appears in 1 Samuel, in the story of Hannah and Samuel. How many of you know that story? Good, two, two of you, that's good. So I could just make up the rest of this. It's a beautiful yet tragic story. It's a redemptive story about a woman who was misunderstood by her husband and then misunderstood by even her priest, her pastor. And just misunderstood and only God heard her. But God had to bring her to the place of desperation where she would actually pray. And so the, the, the beautiful thing about it is that, it, you know, God brought her to this place and was preparing her and bringing her to the desperate place of prayer. The thing about Hannah is that she could not have any kids. And back then her husband had another wife who was popping kids out and who was making fun of her. And so every year they would come to the place of worship as was customary then and, and she would make fun of, of her and so she'd be humiliated and the husband, you know, her husband would see her sad and weeping and crying and would say, come on, what? And, she, and she's like, I, I want a baby, I want a, I want a child, desperate. And the husband misunderstood, he said, come on, aren't I better than 10 kids? That dude was gassed up, right? He told her that, it says it in the word. He says, isn't having me better than 10 kids? And she was like, yes, dear, of course, honey, sure, but misunderstood. And so then to add insult to injury, she was misunderstood again. She goes to the temple that one time a year, and she's at the altar praying, and, but she's not speaking out loud. She's just praying inside, but she's moving her lips. And so she's at the altar just... And the high, the high priest, Eli, comes in, and he thinks she, she's drunk. And he says, woman, how long will you put up with your drunkenness up in the house of God, coming in here drunk and, and just misunderstands her. And, he said, and, and she cries. She goes, I'm not drunk. I'm praying. I'm desperate. So this woman is misunderstood and misunderstood, but it, it's such an awesome thing because she gets to the place of desperation where she says, God, if you would give me this child, I will give him to you fully. I'll give him back to you. And so... That's what God wanted to hear. That's what God was preparing. And so she, the story goes on. She has the son and she names the son Samuel, which means God heard. Isn't that awesome? She names him Samuel, which means God heard. And then God gives her five more kids. How many do God, God could do anything he wants? So it wasn't, there was nothing wrong. God was bringing her to the place of desperation where she would give up the first fruits. Oh, that's a whole tithing sermon. Where she would give the first and then God will give her abundance. Gave her five kids after that. God is not, there's no shortage of kids for God. He just got to get your heart right. Amen? And so, so he gives her the five kids and whatever. And, and she, gives, she gives this... this uh, 
Well, first of all, she, you know, she, she got to that place of just desperation where she offers them to God. Look at this quote. Leonard Ravenhill, he was a mid-20th century preacher. Look what he says on, on that desperate prayer. Poverty stricken as the church is today in many things, she is most stricken here in the place of prayer. We have many organizers but few agonizers. We have many players and payers but few prayers. We have many singers but few lingerers. We have lots of pastors, but few wrestlers. We have many fears, few tears. We have much fashion, but little passion. We have many interferers, but few intercessors. Many writers, but few fighters. Failing here, we fail everywhere. Wow. This Wednesday's prayer. Enough said? So this son that she gives to Eli, the high priest, to grow up and serve the Lord, as soon as she's done weaning, she gives him to the, to the temple. And he belongs to the temple now. He's dedicated fully to the temple. To live with the high priest, to learn the things of God, he's dedicated to God, this kid Eli. Samuel, sorry. And so what, it happens one night while the kid is still young that at night he hears Samuel. Samuel, Samuel. And so he wakes up and he runs over to Eli, who's, a, who's an older man now, you know, he's the high priest. And he says, what, what, you know, what can I do? What does my servant want? And Eli's like bugging out. He's like, come on, I didn't call you. Go to bed. Why, what? Go to sleep. Says, All right. He goes back to sleep. A second time, Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. He gets up, runs over to Eli. Eli, what, what is it, my servant? What can I do? Well, how can I help you? And, and Samuel's like, dude, stop waking me up. I'm not calling you. Go to bed. Go to sleep. The third time it happens. By the third time, the pastor got a, got a clue. And he said, maybe God's talking to him. And so he told him, listen, just go back to sleep. Go lie down. If it happens again, say, yes, Lord, I'm listening. So he went to sleep. And, and again, he hears Samuel. Samuel, Samuel. And he says, yes, Lord. And, and look at the way he says it. In 1 Samuel 3.10, it says, Then God came and stood before him exactly as before, calling out, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, I'm your servant, ready to listen. Um, for the internet's sake, the title of this message is Ready to Listen. Other versions say, here am I. And so I, I don't want to even go any further. I'm going to end it right there. If you pay attention, the word says that God came and stood before him exactly as before and called him. If you pay attention to that, the word says that he came, the NIV says, and the Lord came and stood there calling as with the other times. The King James says, and the Lord came and stood and called as at other times. And this time Samuel answered, speak, I'm here ready to listen. This time Samuel answered, speak, I'm, I'm ready to listen. Isn't it crazy to think that Samuel didn't see God standing there the other three times? 
Can, can we just imagine that for a moment? That, that he went right by him the other three times. God stood there speaking. And Samuel got up and went immediately to where he thought he was being called to. But all three times, all four times, God was right there. It says that he stood calling. Family, how many times has, has God's presence been right there? Before us, speaking to us, calling us, trying to get our attention. And we've left his presence to go someplace that we thought we should be. I need you to ask yourselves that. We're closing right here. We're not, we won't go much deeper. Just, just think, how many times has, was God calling us and we went somewhere else? How many times did we mistake God's call and, and attribute it to someone else? Or to something else? All throughout the word, God calls ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Amen? And what he's looking for today and, and for the rest of your lives is that same reply. Yes, Lord, here am I ready to listen. When he called Abraham, it says in Genesis 22, after all this, God blessed, God tested Abraham and God said, Abraham. And Abraham said, yes, I'm listening. Jacob, in Genesis 46, God spoke to Israel in the vision that night. Jacob, Jacob, and he said, yes, I'm listening. Moses, God saw that Moses had stopped to look at the burning bush, and God called to him, and from out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, yes, I'm here, ready to listen. Isaiah, in Isaiah 6, 8, and then I heard the voice of the master, whom shall I send and whom will go for us? And I spoke up and I said, I'll go, send me. Here am I, ready to listen. Ready to listen. I just want to close with that, with this last verse in Ephesians 2.10. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So if you and I were created with a purpose, then God's call is on our lives. Say amen. We can ignore it. We can turn from it. We can allow just about anything in this world to turn us from the Father. The enemy himself, we can allow the enemy himself to redirect our worship. We can allow our past, our present, or even our worries for our future and let that be the reason for us to ignore the presence of God standing right beside us, calling us. Everything else, seeking an answer and seeking fulfillment and seeking direction, but God is calling us right now to simply turn. Will we just bow our heads for a moment? God is calling us right now to simply turn, to redirect our worship, to answer, here am I ready to listen. Now, young people, I really want to talk to you. Let's just keep our heads bowed for a moment, just so we don't get distracted. Just, just a moment, young people, I need to talk to you. I know sometimes I get graphic and sometimes maybe I go too far, but it, it's because I'm passionate about having your your lives thrown away, having your lives redirected so much that, that it takes you till you're in your 30s and 40s and 50s sometimes to come back and find your purpose. And at that time, you're, you're this broken bag of, of bones returning back to the cross. And I would just love my passion, my desire would be to just have young people, to just have teens 
that you would understand that the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And the enemy's main focus is to redirect your worship. And today he does it so easily because you have, you have your, your um, MP3 pastors that are just attached to your ear all the time just speaking to you. You have all your, your MySpace pastors that are just believing comments and comments and blowing you, blowing you up, just redirecting everything about this. It's so easy to be distracted today. But I want to put a call today to the young people. And, and then if the, if the adults and young adults want to respond after that, please go right ahead and stand with them and respond to it because we all need to redirect our worship. But young people, I really just want to call. I want to be able to pray a prayer over you today that would set you apart. But I'm not going to ask for all the teens to come up to the front because the, the, nothing aggravates me more than, than teens with attitudes just coming to the front and just standing there with an attitude. Keep your attitude in your seat and leave with it. Don't even leave it here, please. But if, but if you're saying, God, I see where my, my worship has been redirected. I see where when, if I look straight ahead of me, I don't see Jesus. Because I've turned too far to the left or too far to the right. If that's you, would you just say, and, 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 and you're saying today, I want to redirect my focus. I want to focus my life. You don't have to be a teen. You could be 80 up in here and just say, I want to redirect my life. Would you just respond in the last minutes before we leave this place? Would you just say, that's me? And we, would, you, would you just do something bold and get out of your seat and come stand with me? And just say, God, that's me. I want, I want my worship redirected. I want you to speak to me. I want you to show me things. I want to be used by you. I want you to, I want you to drop revelation into me. I want to be able to clean things in my life. I want to be able to get rid of things in my life. I know that there are relationships I don't need to be dealing with. I know that there are relationships that are just redirecting my worship. And God, I want to, I want to open my eyes and just see you. Everything, 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 everything you do is worship. For some of us, it's about time that that worship be directed in the right area. Jesus, 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 Jesus. If you've been forced to come up and respond, go sit back down, please. Please, this ain't for you. If somebody made you come up, this ain't for you. This has to be you. This has to be right from your heart saying, God, I want you. God, I want to open my eyes and see you. I want to open my ears and hear you. If, if you're willing, once you leave this place, to compromise again and, and to go back to the same thing and to do the same ways, please sit back down and save yourself the heartache. If you're still here, we're going to worship over you. And I'm going to ask Pastor Sal to pray over you. A heart of worship. I want, I, want, I want Manny to sing over you. Because I want Manny's heart of worship to be infused in, in, in us. To become part of us. I want us to be one church today. To be one body today. To be one today. Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. 
We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless.